Geno Smith has been a full participant each of the last two practices before the Seahawks, but he's not 100%, and there are suddenly some big question marks at the backup spot behind him. We'll be breaking it all down on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on a beautiful Blue Friday by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Beaverton, Oregon, or across the country in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen Five days a week. The Seahawks back in action on Sunday. Tough road game against the Bengals, who, even though they're just two and three, they did have a big win over the Cardinals. Looked more like their former selves, especially Joe Burrow. This is going to be a challenging game on the road coming off the bye. We're going to be breaking down what the Seahawks need to do to get the victory and improve to 4-1, and one, keep pace with the 49ers and the NFC West. We've got our weekly picks to click, predictions, and much more. This episode is brought your way by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the code all lowercase NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Now for your lead story here on Blue Friday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Geno Smith spoke with reporters, as he always does, before Thursday's practice and indicated that he has improved every single day coming back from knee and ankle injuries that were suffered on that drop tackle along the sideline against the Giants on Monday night football. But if you parse through the words, Nick, it was clearly evident that Geno Smith is not quite 100%. He's expecting to continue getting better in the next couple of days leading up to the game. He's been a full participant, so he is going to be starting under center for the Seahawks. But suddenly Seattle's got some significant question marks at that quarterback spot because we know Geno Smith isn't quite 100%. And Drew Locke popped up on the injury report on Thursday, was out with an ankle injury. Earlier in the day, they brought back Holton Aylers on the practice squad, and that was kind of a curious decision at the time. But with Drew Locke missing practice now, that addition suddenly looks much more important heading into this football game on Sunday. Yeah, of course, the hope is that it's much to do about nothing. And Geno Smith has done a pretty good job staying healthy for the majority of his Seahawks career. Um, and, and, you know, you'd like to think that a bye week helped at least get the soreness a little, uh, you know, down and, uh, you know, where he's able to play through it. And as long as the Seahawks do their job on offense and keep him upright, hopefully this again will yeah, be much to do about nothing. Um, Holt Naylor's bringing in just, uh, you know, I, I was a big fan of him in, in the preseason. Um, you know, out of the 133 FBS teams in college football, Ehlers was 10th in passing yards and 15th in completion percentage at Eastern Carolina, East Carolina. And so really prolific passer, 6'3", two, almost 230, big dude, lefty, and just likable guy, likable energy. Um, hopefully that um, you're not talking yourself into, <laughs> into Elton Ehlers being okay during the game against the Bengals and he gets thrown in there. You'd like to think that they, the Seahawks avoid that situation. Um, but as far as the injuries go, yeah, Geno Smith, hopefully will be, will at least be able to play, maybe not hundred percent, but 
you know, do his job well enough. Hopefully the offensive line does their job to keep guys off of him. Um, but, you know, Drew Locke is another one where you, you saw, we all saw in that Monday night game, he is more than a capable backup. And if he can't go, then you're looking at Holt Naylor. So the worst case scenario, of course, is the the Seahawks can't protect Geno or something like that. I'm hoping that Geno also feels a little more apprehensive about some of those scrambles towards the sideline. And yes, that was a, uh, a less than above board hit in some in some aspects with uh, Geno Smith and on the defense there for the Giants. But you know you'd like to keep him out of those situations. So the Seahawks have time have had time to kind of game plan, quick passes, get him out of trouble. Um, so again, the, the best case scenario is this, this is kind of a moot point on Sunday. Yeah. And based on the conversations that I've had since the injury report came out yesterday, I'm optimistic that Drew Locke is going to be able to dress on Sunday and he'll be ready to play. This sounded like he was more being cautious with an ankle that he tweaked and just making sure that he was ready for Sunday. Cause you need to have your backup with Geno Smith, not being hundred percent. And we saw the way Drew Locke played, like they want to have him available, but bringing back Holton Ehlers. And I always make this joke and listen, it's not taking a knock at Holton Ehlers. There are a ton of quarterbacks. There's a lot of players in the NFL that fit this bill, but especially quarterbacks. He's kind of like that one month fling player right now that you make sure you keep the phone number on speed dial in case you need him. And he knows the offense because he was here in training camp and the preseason. He played well in the preseason but he hasn't been with the team for several weeks. Now, that doesn't mean he hasn't been keeping tabs on their playbook. I'm sure there are quarterbacks like this where, hey, you're not with us right now, but make sure that you still know the plays in case we need to call you back. But he hasn't been with the team for a couple of weeks. So if you end up in a situation where Drew Locke is not able to play in this game and suddenly Holton Ehlers is the only backup quarterback that you have that's healthy, available behind a less than 100% Geno Smith, I do think that that creates a significant concern there. That could make a backup bugaboo real quick for the Seahawks if they have to put him into the lineup, considering he just came back yesterday and hasn't been with the team for a couple of weeks. But I'm optimistic that Drew Locke is going to be available and hopefully won't have to worry about this. Maybe Holton Aylers gets promoted just so that you have extra insurance at the quarterback spot. That's fine as a third quarterback. It's better to play him than have to put Ken Walker the third or somebody else at quarterback as an emergency player late or Jackson Smith and Jigba, whatever they would have to end up doing. Looking at the rest of the injury report, there's a lot of positives, Nick. Jamal Adams not even on the injury report anymore. Clear of concussion protocol. So he's off of the list. Charles Cross elevated to full participant on Thursday. The video that I've seen, he looks like he's moving really well and he's healthy. So looks like they're going to have their starting left tackle finally back in action after missing three games. Phil Haynes has been limited, but at least he's trending in the right direction. Damian Lewis, that is the one big injury on here. Doesn't look like he's trending towards being available in this game. Maybe he will practice on Friday, but for now, he has been out this week. And so Seattle's still not looking at getting four starters back on the offensive line, but I guess getting a couple of them back is still better than none. And guys like DK Metcalf, they're taking it easy with them. I don't think they would have made him available for media a couple of days ago if his status in question. They're just resting him. He did this a couple of weeks ago. He will be ready to play. So really the Damian Lewis injury is the only one that really jumps out as far as surprising or not being sure that he's going to be available. That could be a big impact loss for Seattle. Yeah. And this has been something that the, the offensive line has been a musical chairs. The music has not stopped yet. It's still very much in flux, um, but man, give, give the coaching staff Andy Dickerson credit with, 
with how they've been able to, to weather that storm and they're still weathering it. And honestly, yeah, Damian Lewis is a concern, but as far as the state of the offensive line, they have proven that they can, they can do without um, if need be. So that is a nice, nice thing. And, and you, we, we talked about the bye week coming a little bit earlier, but man, what a perfect time. And even then you'd see how these, these Seahawks are banged up. Imagine if they would have had a game last week with how banged up they are. So thank goodness for that bye. So yeah, overall, it's generally good news, um, even yeah, with a bit of uncertainty at the backup quarterback position along the offensive line. But yeah, you, you're you're getting your guys healthier. Charles Cross, I think, will be a big addition, and obviously, and especially with some of the the rushers that the Bengals have, and just getting healthier is is never a bad thing. Just added depth, especially at your left tackle spot. And I think Charles Cross is set to to finally make that second you know leap in his second year, and this this will be the next chapter of that. We will know here in the next few hours who the Seahawks have designated as out, doubtful, or questionable. All of that stuff will be released as always shortly after noon for the Seahawks Pacific time. We do know that the Bengals listed receiver T. Higgins and cornerback Chidobe Awuzie as questionable, and Zach Taylor, head coach, said that they are both game-time decisions. So that's what we know from the Bengals' perspective. We will know the Seahawks have a little more clarity on their final injury report coming up here in the next few hours. Make sure to be looking on Locked On Seahawks on X at Locked underscore Seahawks. We'll have plenty of updates coming out as that information becomes available. Coming up next, what do the Seahawks need to do to get that fourth straight win and improve to 3-0 on the road for the first time since 2019 against the Bengals? We'll be breaking down keys to victory up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Two years ago, I randomly got sick during the middle of the day on a Sunday, and it was actually during football season. I didn't want to have to rush to an urgent care to get a big medical bill. So thank goodness I had the Jace case from Jace Medical with immediate antibiotics that I could use to get myself feeling better fast without all the upfront costs associated with heading to an emergency room or urgent care. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand, and it's a simple process. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, on our Blue Friday show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out coming out later today. Football season's officially here. We've got Locked on NFL kickoff live every Friday. Locked on will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern with the Locked On NFL YouTube channels, whether it's Locked On Seahawks, Locked On Bucks, Locked On Bengals, all the YouTube channels will have the show. Hosts Tanitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Krabs will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, you get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know these teams better than anyone else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel channel 
All right, Nick, let's get to our weekly keys to victory. The Seahawks are trying to improve to 3-0 on the road for the first time since 2019. This is not something that has happened very many times in Seahawks history where they win their first three road games, but this is a team that has done well in these 10 a.m. slots under Pete Carroll. Historically, even in the Mike Holmgren era, the Seahawks struggled to win those games, but they have done really well in these games under Pete Carroll. They've seemed to figure out a formula to make sure these guys are ready to go. So they're looking for that third straight road win, their fourth straight win overall. Looking at what Seattle has to do on offense, traveling on the road to Cincinnati, what's the first key that jumps out to you for this Seahawks team to be able to get the win and improve to 4-1? and one? Well, looking at just the, the defense for the Bengals, there's a few things that I, I kind of try to poke holes in. And one of the things, uh, especially with with the quarterback position right now, Chino Smith, and hopefully he's healthy, but I think that they need to be careful not to force the ball where it doesn't fit. And for that, I, I mean, you know, take what they give you. The Bengals have the third most interceptions in the NFL. They are 10th in pass breakups. So while, yeah, they are a flawed team, they, they do make plays in the pass game. And, um, you know, that, that's also – there, don't be rushed by the pass rush. So Geno Smith, um, hopefully, is the one that's going to be throwing those passes um, through the whole game. And so just you know, be careful with it. Take them, take what they give you. Don't try to force something, especially when you think that you can probably get a little bit going on the run game. And so you you don't need to take these unnecessary risks and give Joe Burrow and that and that offense extra possessions at home. So I think that kind of flips into another key there. Um, so just just be careful. Don't you don't need to be overly aggressive. Play your game. Take what they give you. Um, something between super conservative and very aggressive. But you know, just just pick your spots. I think is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, there, there's certainly some evidence there that the Bengals can make plays if you if you give them the opportunity. Yeah, you want to see Geno Smith play with moderate aggression in this game because you know the Bengals, they've been one of the highest blitzing teams in the NFL this year, which is a big changeup. Last year, they were in the bottom third for blitzing. So they've been a little more aggressive on that front, and you know they've got one of the best pass rushers in football and Trey Hendrickson. And Rob Rang and I touched on this a little bit on our matchup Wednesday episode, but I am going to keep hammering the point home. This doesn't always play out this way, but one of the best ways to slow down a stud pass rusher is to get that run game going. And I look at this particular opponent, and, and I know I talk about this, I preach about this a lot of games for the Seahawks because I feel like this offense is always better when the run game is humming. But this is a Bengals defense, Nick, that has given up a league worst 23 runs of 10 yards or more. So they aren't just giving up a lot of rushing yards. They are giving up a lot of explosive plays in the run game. They've missed 33 tackles, according to Pro Football Focus, defending the run this year. The only team that has been worst in that regard or worse in that regard has been the Denver Broncos. And that's not a team you want to be associated with right now. You don't want any of your numbers to be linked to them. So this has been a team that has missed a lot of tackles defending the run. They've had a hard time getting off blocks. The D-line's been losing at the line of scrimmage quite a bit. They've had issues with cutbacks. So I look at this as a game where Ken Walker III, Zach Charbonnet, get those guys established early. I know some of our listeners don't like the idea of establishing the run, but this is a game where I think you absolutely need to do that, and you should be able to because this defense has struggled all year long defending the run. So get that as a big part of your offensive game plan. 
going into this one in Cincinnati. Win the time of possession battle. That helps you in multiple ways because you're keeping Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase off the field and they're on the sidelines. So I think this is a game where Geno Smith, yeah, be moderately aggressive, but somewhat cautious in some of the throws that you're making because this team is opportunistic. Be smart with the football and lean on your ground game to keep that pass rush at bay and slow down guys like Hendrickson. And quite frankly, that is not a strength in his game, playing run defense. So maybe running right at him might be a recipe for success in this game. But I think this is absolutely a matchup where the run game is going to be crucial for Seattle to go in and get the win on the road. Yeah, and the Seahawks are, are in, towards the top half of the NFL in red zone efficiency. So, yeah, don't leave points on the board. Turn three into six. Win, quote, you know, the red zone battle. And Corbin, I actually stumbled upon a very interesting stat as well um, that might help lead to this. You know, be smart with the football. Put yourself in good positions, you know, especially on the road. You know, kind of a desperate team. Um, the Seahawks actually lead the NFL in average starting field position, you know, as in leading, as in they've started with the best field position that they've averaged starting at their own 35.2 yard line. So that is number one in the NFL. That has a lot to do with how well the defense is played, especially with special teams, uh, Michael Dixon and company there. So I, I think you got to throw that in there as well as keep getting, getting yourself in good positions when the, not only the red zone battle, but the field position battle, especially as, now these both these offenses at times have stalled out this year. Um, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're inside your own, your own 15 yard line, have to punt it away to a, a really good offense. Either either side, I think, is trying to avoid that. So I thought that was an interesting stat to stumble upon that the Seahawks lead the NFL in best average starting field position. And you'd like to think that that you know if that continues this week, that's a you're already setting yourself up for a good opportunity to get into the red zone and then push through to make it from three points in the field goal to seven in the touchdown. Yeah, it's interesting. You don't want to get too greedy when it comes to some of these stats. I mean, the Seahawks have improved a lot in the red zone compared to where they were a year ago. They were in the bottom 10 last year in red zone efficiency. This year, they are 13th. So they have been much better. And I think the big difference, their run game, Ken Walker III already has five rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Last year, he only had one rushing touchdown inside the five-yard line. He's already got four this year. So they have just been much more efficient with their short yardage goal line running game. You'd like to see Geno Smith get a little bit more proficient down there. He does have five touchdowns, no picks. So he has made the most of his completions, but he's only completing 50% of his passes. This is a game where you'd like to see them be able to finish off drives just a little bit better. Can we get into the top 10 in red zone touchdown efficiency? They're close. Can you get there in this one? I think that's going to be big for the Seahawks to win this football game. Now, flipping over to the defense, the Bengals are still 27th in the NFL in points scored. So this has been a rough start for them. Last week, they were able to get going against a Cardinals team that I think has exceeded expectations, but they're still one and four. They still are not a talented football team. The Bengals were able to put up 34. We saw Jamar Chase, 19 targets from Joe Burrow, had three touchdowns, had no touchdowns prior to that point. So, a lot of people are looking at that game saying, hey, this was the wake-up game. They're ready to go. But this is still the 27th-ranked offense. And I look at this game for the Seahawks defensively, Nick. And this feels like a matchup where when you're looking at what the Seahawks need to do to be able to win this game, I think first and foremost, 
you got to limit the explosives. It's something we talked about earlier in the week. Seattle has not had the explosives on offense we expect from them overall, and they have given up more explosives than we expect on defense. 19 explosive pass plays this year, only six in the run game. So it has been a two-edged sword type of ordeal. The run defense has been good, but then on the other hand, the pass defense, they've still given up way more big plays than you want. And this is a Bengals team, especially after the catch with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, if he's healthy in this game, Tyler Boyd, they have a number of weapons that can create it for the catch. You've got to get guys down. They're going to make their receptions, especially Jamar Chase, but don't let him rack up big yards after the catch. Don't let him get wide open and create instant separation because that's where you get in big trouble against this team, and it makes life super easy for Joe Burrow. You've got to limit the explosiveness, and I think the yak maybe is the most important part. If they get a 20-yard completion, don't let it turn into a 35-, 40-yard completion because you miss a tackle or the receiver doesn't have anybody within two townships of them on the field. You have to play tight coverage against this team. And even if they get their catches, get them to the ground, swarm to the ball carrier. That, to me, gives you the best chance to be able to limit this offense from having the production they had last week in Arizona. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, getting allowing the receptions here – That'll bruise you, um, and you know it'll it'll bruise you a little bit. But allowing yak after that'll that'll make you bleed, and you don't want that. And for me, you got to win battles on the edge as well. So talk about making life easy for Joe Burrow. How you also do that is not get any pressure, especially off the edge. You know the 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 Bengals have a really you know porous offensive line. When you look at the pass block win rate, they're 29th in the NFL in pass block win rates. Um, and I know I said the edges, but left guard Cordell Volson has a 17. Pass blocking grade. I've never seen a pass blocking grade from a starter in the teens. He's allowed 14 pressures in five games. And then left tackle Orlando Brown Jr., same thing. He's 14 pressures allowed. He's allowed five quarterback hits. He allowed four pressures alone against the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So you'd think that the Seahawks have had a little bit more, have a little bit more talent along that side than the Arizona Cardinals do. Um, so you got to take advantage of those matchups. You know, Shannon Wosu, Boyamafi, Gerald Taylor, those guys. Really got to step up Draymond Jones, win those battles on the outside, and kind of cave it in. And I know I mentioned the guard in the the interior line as well, but especially along the edges. And that also includes the run game. Don't let guys like Joe Mixon getting all those guys out there. Um, Don't don't lose contain. So win the edge battles, whether that be pass rushing, run contain. You know, keep Joe Burrow. You know, contain. Don't let him. Don't let him improvise. Don't let him get comfortable back there. Um, Because again, yeah, that that is an easy way to lose to the Bengals in Cincinnati. And you still want to see where Joe Burrow is at physically. He said this week this is the closest to 100% he's been with his calf injury. He's been battling all the way, dating back to early in training camp. And he looked much better last week on the tape that I watched. He was he was nimble. He was moving well. But I still want to see what happens if an edge rusher or an interior guy quickly bears down on him. What are the movement skills going to look like? I felt like last week he had a much cleaner pocket. If the Seahawks are able to get back to the way things were those first few weeks for Cincinnati and they can get after him early and often, I want to see how he moves. I want to see that mobility. And I'm not saying blitz a bunch because he showed last week he really made strides looking like his old self. Joe Burrow has normally been great against the blitz. Early this year, the injury really held it back. But blitz at your own peril type thing. And I'm not saying don't blitz at all, but I want to see that front line get after him. And the way the Bengals have pass protected this year, there should be opportunities to get after him. I think this is the goal. If they can get, I'm not even looking at sacks, Nick. If they can get eight quarterback hits in this game, 
that to me, it might seem like a high number, but that is the number I'm looking at. Seven to eight quarterback hits. If they can do that, I feel like Joe Burrow still not quite 100%. That may be able to sway this game if they can get that kind of pressure. Where Not just pressures, they're actually getting hits on him to me. That is the big figure to look at. And last but not least for me, we mentioned the red zone on offense. Seattle has actually been a top 15 red zone offense. They're dead last on defense, giving up almost 88% of their red zone drives being touchdowns. That is atrocious. That is the one stat that jumped out to me this week. I'm like, I know they've been bad, but I didn't think they had been that bad. Teams are getting in the red zone, and the Seahawks, quite frankly, are just bending down and letting them score touchdowns. They need to really buck up when they're in the red zone. That bend but don't break that they've been pretty good at the last few years, that has not been the case this year. They need to be a wall when the Bengals get downfield, inevitably get deep into their territory, find a way to turn six into three on the defensive side of the football, or maybe even come up with some turnovers down there in this football game. But they have got to find a way – to win the red zone battle on both sides of the ball. Can you be the team that finishes and find ways on defense to keep the Bengals out of the end zone? That's going to be easier said than done with the weapons they have in the passing game. But this is a football game where you cannot afford to let the Bengals go three for three or four for four or four for five or whatever in the red zone. If that happens, you are going to lose this football game on the road. They need to buck up in the red zone, find ways to get stops. I think that's going to be crucial for them to win this football game. Coming up next, we are going to dish out our weekly picks to click, and we're also going to have our game predictions. Can the Seahawks get that elusive third straight road win to open up the season for the first time since 2019? Don't go away. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. This week's on Prize Picks. I'm selecting Tyreek Hill to surpass 100 yards against the winless Panthers. Prize Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedInNFL and use the code LockedInNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget, after the game on Sunday, we'll have our weekly post-game show. Game balls, three up, three down. Key storylines coming out of Seahawks at Bengals at Pecor Stadium. Make sure that you are tuned in. That should be a couple hours after the end of the game, depending how long press conferences and stuff take after the conclusion of the game. All right, Nick, let's get to our weekly picks to click. And we talked about it last Friday. We've made it more competitive this year with our, I guess we could call it an arbitrary scoring system that you invented, good sir. But we are going to continue ramping it up. We've got stats. We've got our selections on offense and defense. Let's start on the defensive side of the football today. Switch it thing, switch things up a little bit. Against Joe Burrow and company, who is your pick to click for the Seahawks on the defensive side of the football this week? 
Well, like we mentioned with the offensive line, the I like the matchup there with the edge rushers for, for the Seahawks, so I'm going to go with one. Uchenna Nwosu is my guy this week. Seahawks are fourth in pass rush win rate, and the, the Bengals, like I mentioned, 29th in pass block win rate, so I do like that matchup there. Uchenna Nwosu still one of the more stalwart defensive players, especially as far as pass rush goes for the Seahawks, so I like that matchup there, especially with some of the weaker uh, elements of the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. So give me Eugene Nwosu here. I think I said eight tackles and a sack. Um, I'm going I'm to go with that. So eight or six tackles and then one and a half sacks, I think is what I said. So six tackles and one and a half sacks. I think he gets there alone by himself once. And then he, there, there's a meeting at the quarterback for another one, hopefully. So give him, give him over one sack. Going into this game, Devin Witherspoon, rightfully so been getting all the attention with the way that he played in New York, but there was a play in that game that stood out to me thinking towards the future. Reek Woolen dropped an interception that I think he could have taken back to the house. And you could tell how frustrated that he was because that's not a play last year that he missed out on. And we have to remember that he missed most of training camp, that he missed a game with a chest injury this year. He's still kind of getting his feet back underneath him. I think this is the game that it happens. I actually like him against T. Higgins if T. Higgins plays in this game. I think Reek Woolen can play well against him. In fact, him and Jamar Chase could be a fun matchup as well because Woolen's actually the more athletic player of the two. And so I think this is the breakout game of this season for Reek, uh, for Reek Woolen in week six. I've got him getting five tackles, an interception, and an additional pass breakup for Seattle secondary. He is overdue for that first interception of the season. He almost had it in New York. I think he steps up in this game against a better offense, a better quarterback, and he finds a way to get that first interception of the season, leading Seattle secondary. Now, on the offensive side of the football, Nick, this has been where I've been able to create some separation here in the first four games of the season. I've really had some great selections on offense, so the pressure now is on you to make a pick that is going to click this week. And this is a big swing. <laughs> it's a big gamble. Um, it's time, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. It's time, my friend. It is time to start the next chapter of your rookie year after having a bye week, maybe clear the head a little bit, get that wrist healthier, maybe you know, work out some kinks with the offense, with your role, you know, be getting more comfortable with Geno Smith and you know the coaching staff and offense, just getting getting things right for Jackson Smith and Jigba to really get going in his rookie year finally. So I'm gonna go with him. Um, I also like Mike Hilton, uh, the defensive back for the Bengals, has allowed the seventh most receiving yards in the NFL in slot coverage this year. So perhaps a bit of a nice uh, matchup there for in Smith and Jigba in the slot. So I like him to get, I think it was, I said, six or five catches for 70 yards and his first touchdown. It is time. So in that case, he doubles his season yardage total or more, th more than that in this game. So give me Jackson Smith and Jigba with an optimist, op optimistic pick to click and he's back in the state of Ohio more what would be more fitting than for him to go back to his old stomping grounds and have his breakout game I'm going to go with a rookie as well and maybe this one is a bit of a gamble because I expect Ken Walker the third is still going to get most of the carries but I've looked at what the Bengals have done early this season Nick and the running backs they have had the most trouble with have been the downhill battering Rams, like Derrick Henry. Now, obviously, Seattle does not have a Derrick Henry, but Zach Charbonnet has some of that Thomas Rawls dog in him where he bowls over guys. He breaks a lot of tackles, nearly 70 yards after contact on his 105 rushing yards this year. So he 
is a guy that gets a big chunk of his yardage after contact, barrels over guys. He can make guys miss in space. I think this is a matchup that's ideal for him. So I have Zach Charbonnet scoring not just one, but two touchdowns in this game, 53 rushing yards. So the reason he's my pick to click, I, I think that he's going to show the bulldog that he is getting into the end zone a couple of times against a team that, quite frankly, as I mentioned earlier, Nick, they've had issues with missed tackles against the run. And when you've got a train like Zach Charbonnet getting downhill, I think the Seahawks can get some push up front, get some seams for Charbonnet, get him to the second level and let him go to work with his physicality. So I've got 11 rushes for 53 yards and a pair of touchdowns. I think that this is the game that Charbonnet, we've seen the production from a rushing yards and yards per carry standpoint, but we haven't seen him get that chance to get in the end zone. I think it happens not just once, but twice this week. Now, Switching gears to our predictions, our friends over at FanDuel, the spread has tightened up a little bit. It was at plus three earlier in the week, so the Seahawks have actually made up a little bit of ground right now with the spread being minus two and a half. So this is viewed as a game that's going to be pretty tight. And as we talked about in yesterday's crossover special, Nick, I think this is one of the marquee matchups going into week six, and I think it is going to be a barn burner. Uh, I, in fact... And I'll mention my score here after you have your opportunity, good sir. But I actually think that this final score is going to fall inside that tight spread. That is how close of a game I'm anticipating. Yeah, 100%. This is going to be a tight game. And just with, you know, this is one of those, I think this is one of those games where I throw out the stats a little bit. Um, Bengals are still fighting for their lives. They're still trying to get back to 500 in the AFC North back in that battle, which is turning into a bloodbath itself. Um, I, I just feel like they're still uh, desperate might not be the right word anymore for them, but they're anxious and they're really trying to get right. And I'm going to choose to mentally prepare for the Bengals that played against the Cardinals and not the, not the first four week version. Um, cause we got a, probably a healthier Joe Burrow now. So, um, with, you know, the Bengals still fighting for their lives, still somewhat desperate. They're at home where Joe Burrow's eight and two in the last two seasons, Seahawks are on a three-game losing streak coming off their bye week in the last three years. Uh, Bengals are going to throw everything at them and try to get back to 500 back in that divisional race. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be close. It's one of those games where one mistake on offense or defense or special teams, just one flips the flips the script and decides the game. Hope I'm wrong. I'm going for the reverse curse here, Corbin. I don't see the Seahawks going 16-1. and one, So obviously I got to sprinkle in some losses in there. So I do see the Bengals pulling this off 27-24 in a just an absolute rock fight in Cincinnati. I think it's, I think these are both playoff teams and this is kind of maybe not a Super Bowl uh, preview. Don't want to go that far, but certainly kind of a playoff esque matchup. And I, I do see the Bengals just eking it out at home with just how much is on the line for them. This has been one of those games where leading up to this episode, I have been bouncing back and forth. That's how close this game is. And I think you have two teams that when they're fully healthy, are right on that peripheral of being in the elites in their conference. I know that the Bengals made an AFC championship game each of the last two years, so maybe they should be considered already in that group. But I think that they do have a few more question marks because they've lost some key guys in the secondary. They've had some changes up front in their offensive line that haven't necessarily netted the results on the field they were hoping for. So I'm just not sure that I can lump them in there with some of the top teams in the conference just yet. If they get Joe Burrow fully back healthy and stuff, then obviously the talent is there for them to do that. Seattle is very much in the same position where I feel like 
They're not quite to where San Francisco and Philadelphia are at the top of the conference, but they've shown they can already beat the Detroit Lions. They already did that in overtime on the road. So this team is close. So it really is one of those back and forth affairs. And I have seesawed back and forth, teeter-tottered, whatever term you want to use, haven't been able to pick. So I'm going with a Seahawks two-point win. I think this is going to be one of those games that really goes down to the wire. And Jason Myers is overdue to actually convert on a clutch kick. And maybe this could be the thing that jumpstarts his season. But I have the Bengals leading late and the Seahawks getting a field goal while trailing by one, getting that late field goal and winning 27 to 25 to improve to 3-0. And you mentioned the bye week struggles. The Seahawks have lost three straight games coming out of the bye. You can't tell me that Pete Carroll hasn't seen that stat. He is going into this game thinking we've got to find a way to switch things up. I wouldn't be surprised if they did make a few changes coming out of their bye. Let's go as a the fresher team here. Let's go in in a tough road environment, and let's go get this win. I think this could be anybody's game. I just have a feeling that the Seahawks are going to make one more play. As you mentioned, that's all it's going to take in this game. And so it could go either way, but I've got the Seahawks winning 27 to 25. We'll see what ends up happening on Sunday. As I mentioned, this should be one of the more exciting games on the week six docket between two teams that not just have playoff aspirations, but they hope to see themselves in the mix to compete to make deep playoff runs in the AFC and NFC respectively. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51 Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Don't forget, after the game on Sunday, probably a few hours after the final whistle, we'll have our weekly post-game show from Cincinnati Seahawks, Bengals coming up. We'll have key storylines, game balls, three up, three down, and more. Hope you'll be listening in and enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks.